we'd like to give a special thank you to PicoSupply.com for sponsoring our podcast. Welcome to the Homestead Podcast. You are joining co-hosts Carol and Jamie of TwoGalsHomesteading.com. If you found yourself here, that means you are ready to take responsibility for what you eat, your family's health, and your family's well-being while living a simpler life. You can do this and have fun, saving money along the way. Let them help you unleash the homesteader within. By doing more with less, you will gain what is needed to create confidence, impact, and change in your life and the lives around you. Let's start homesteading, let's start now. Hi, Jamie. Hey, Carol. All right. Here we are. Another week's Another week. expired for us. <laughs> they go so fast. I know. It's like, gosh, it's already Tuesday. And then it's like, oh, we got to record on Wednesday. So, all right. So, today we were going to discuss some more. We're going to flip over to gardening again. Go back. we are getting um, we are into that in the season. Gardening. Yeah, we, we're in the season now. I've talked to several of my milk customers and many of them have several things in the ground already. <laughs> I don't know. If, I nobody have, has said tomatoes and peppers yet, but I have heard lettuces, radishes, yeah. carrots, that Colorado's. type of thing. Okay. And so what do you have in your garden? I have um, actually my green stock planter that mm. I bought um, myself for Mother's Day. <laughs> Good for you. Um, I went to our little hardware store and he's got, you know, he does a load of plants and so I bought some. I was looking for cabbage, but he didn't have cabbage and so I got some kohlrabi. And then I had some onion plants left. Then I put some beets in, some lettuce, uh, radishes. Okay. And you were trying to use your green stock as a kind of a cool, cool. crop yes, type. Yes. I, I have it on the northeast side of our house and have it situated right now so it gets morning sun until probably 11, 30, 12. And then this summer, I'm going to move it so it gets even less sun to try to see how, how far it can go before like your lettuce would bolt. Okay. And radishes will bolt. Okay. Do we need to explain what green stock is? Oh, yeah. Maybe we should explain what that is. <laughs> green stock is a vertical planter. Um, it comes in three tiers or five tiers, and it is almost as tall as I am. So I'm five foot two. In how, how many tiers? You got the... I've got the five tier. Okay. So, no, it's I'm five foot one. And then it it is at my... I have to stand on my tippy toes to see up into the watering bowl i'm gonna call it a bowl on top but it's a unique water it's got in between each tier it's got a gray watering disc that's got little holes in it and there's one of those in between uh four of the levels and then on the top there's a big basin where you fill it up with water and then it trickles down into those watering disc in between each layer and so then it drips out to to water each layer Okay. So you you can you know depending on the, the temperature outside, you know you can theoretically uh, water pretty easily. You don't have to sit in water because it has all your plants. You don't have uh, it's got right. thirty holes or pockets, so you don't have to sit in water um, each pocket. Once you get it established, like now where I have my seeds and stuff, I am watering every day to keep the soil moist. So that the seeds stay moist and will germinate. Okay, so when you say you're watering it because you want to germinate your seeds now, are you watering each one of these pockets or you're just filling the I'm top? watering each pocket okay. right now because I found this out that um, the potting soil I bought had more cocoa core in it. And so some soil is what they call, um, it won't absorb water until it gets wet. And so this was really dry because oh. it was in plastic bags. And okay. so you need to get it wet before it'll absorb water. <laughs> so you do you have to like saturate it then yeah normally to, normally okay. when you're doing well you know like if you're going to do a, get a pot of flowers you're, you're going to top water it right mm -hmm. away anyway because mm -hmm. it doesn't have roots down to the bottom to suck it up and so that's what's happening because then it has an overflow too so if you fill it or if you get a heavy rain the water will drain off and go off you know it has a tube on the bottom that will direct it off away from oh. the planter so that you won't get waterlogged plants. Oh, wow. Because mm -hmm. then each potting tray has holes underneath where the plants are. So if there's excess water, that those will drip down to the tier below them and then eventually makes it way out if it's too much water on it. Okay. So it, it basically works on a gravity feed yes. type um, yeah. thing to water. And each, each tier has five pockets then you said there was 30 pockets I six think. pockets on each tier six pockets on okay and i, I have five tiers 
Okay, you have so, five tiers in yep. there, so you can put six plants on each tier, kind of. Sort well, it of. depends on the plant. Like, so you how know, big is the how big is the pocket? Is um, it maybe six inches or yeah, whatever? Oh. Now, if they could see my fingers, <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably yeah. oh, that's more than six inches though. Yeah. I think um, it will hold like a cabbage plant. Um, I put one kohlrabi in each one, but then like carrots, radishes, lettuce. They say you can put three plants in each of those pockets. So like, and then the onions, I did that. I so I put one in each corner and then one in the back. And I figured the one in the back I will harvest as a green onion. Oh, okay. and then I'll let the other two see so, and how how they'll bulb up. Okay, so now you're talking about putting carrots in there. So how deep is the pocket? Um, it is, I think, seven inches. Okay, all right. So yeah, okay, they, so you can grow a decent sized carrot yeah. in that. So okay. yeah, the people, this some people, this is like their whole garden. They will have five or six of these on a patio. I think strawberries would grow. I did buy strawberries because <laughs> I have one more that I haven't put together. I have to level a spot back. I want to make it a sun garden. And so I want to put it back by my garden, but I need to level a spot and put down something so that I can rotate it. Cause it comes on a, a base with, I bought the base so that um, you can turn it. Oh, so that, you know, so if you have, you know, plants all the way around it, you can turn it and they can all get sun. Oh, okay. So, you know, you could, because normally in a situation, if it was not movable, I would plant it where the, everything that loves the sun would be on the south and everything that like lettuce and stuff would be on the north side. Because I've done that in my physical garden, you know, in my okay. raised beds, I've done that where I've put up something and then, you know, like I grew beans or something and then I was able to grow lettuce on, on the, the north other, side. So like, that would be in the shade. Be shady. And I've gotten that to go. It still will bolt when it gets really hot. But yeah, well, I'm going to see how long I can go. So what's the cost on a um, green stock? They are not cheap. It's an investment. Okay. I want to say it was $149. For the five tier? For the five tiers. And then it was a Mother Day special. And it was $50 off. Or no, it was $99. So it was more than that. Maybe it's $159. Okay. Well, so somewhere one hundred and fifty dollars somewhere there. Somewhere in there. And they, okay. um, because I'm on their email list, they did an early Mother's Day special where you could get one for ninety nine dollars. Nice. So that's what was that you scored well there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I could see where um, somebody maybe like living in an apartment. Oh, yeah. We're and perf- has a patio, you yep. know, or whatever type thing where that might be something or you quite a, handy. Or you have a small yard. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you're supposed to won't let you put any more boxes in. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I could I could see where that would be um, an advantage for someone, and then you can grow several things in just this small space. Yeah. You know how wide? How about how wide oh, is there? What what's your I, circle? I bet it's probably the diameter of two feet, twenty four okay. inches. Okay, so it doesn't take yeah. up a whole lot of space. Then e- well, each bad. tier will hold one cubic foot bag of potting soil, and so. And, you know, a cubic foot bag is small enough that I can still physically lift. <laughs> okay. And they say, they say that they, they're guaranteed for five years. And because my question was, okay, will they crack here in Minnesota? Do I need to take them apart every fall and dump them out and put them in storage? Or can I leave the soil in them? Can I leave my strawberries in them? Mm-hmm. And will they survive? And mm-hmm. they say yes, that they're made to take the freezing. The strawberry, they say the strawberries survive too. I'm going to put a covering. I'm going to put, okay. I got to. A winter greenhouse for to go over garden boxes, but I'm gonna. It's tall enough to go over this. Oh, okay. So I'm gonna try to put that over that this fall. So I would assume you want to take all your water out of. Yes, it, you know you don't want water freezing in anything yeah. there. They say if you're gonna leave a plants in them, like strawberries or something, you do need to water them up until that freezes. Okay. So you know, like, so even if it's October and it hasn't froze, you still need to go out there and water them. Okay. Whereas by October, I'm pretty much not watering my garden boxes hardly at all. If mm-hmm. there's anything, I mean, if I've got garlic going, I'll be watering that. But that's like a watering can. It's not like hooking up the system and watering right, all right, the boxes. Watering everything. Yeah, so you've, you've harvested most of your crops by already. October. Yeah, most of my crops are out of the garden. And that just comes with the season. Yep. Like living in Minnesota, our, yep. our growing season isn't super long. Okay. That's green stock green in stock. a nutshell. And yeah. we'll keep you guys posted as to how she's doing. And we'll take pictures and post them um, so people can see. I um, did post the box. And what's funny is, though, when I when I, I bought bought one because I got a coupon from another 
YouTube channel. And I thought, well, I've always wanted one. I'm going to get you know, take the 25% off coupon that they had at the time. And promptly three days later, they throw out this sale. <laughs> and you couldn't resist. Yes. Well, and then I knew my daughter. She has no space for a garden whatsoever. And she had said, oh, those would be really nice. Mm-hmm. And so I bought her one for Mother's Day. <laughs> okay. So is she, what's she putting in hers? I have no idea yet. Oh, okay. She will probably do like a tomato, like a uh, that and maybe a serrano pepper. And okay, so it's it's big enough that you can grow a smaller tomato plant. Yes, I'm going to get her uh, determinate tomato. So it only grows so big, makes so much, and then it's done. To do like an indeterminate ta- tomato that would grow eight feet tall, you would have to keep it pruned, I would think. They okay. do make supports for them, and I didn't buy any of the supports. But yeah, there's people that they grow peas in them, cucumbers, zucchini. Wow. I'm like going... Wow, pretty impressed with it. Okay, well, all right, that's Greenstock in a nutshell. Please think, check them out. I think greenstock.com. Okay, get on their mailing list because apparently yeah, they, that's where you they get the send coupons. out the coupons. That's so. where you get the good deals, mm-hmm. they say. Yes, so, okay. All right, so let's move on to our garden. our gardening section here. Yes. And where where are we at? Here in Minnesota, we're just, our gardening season is just getting going mm-hmm. because of our late spring. And a lot of people are having late springs, um, but still, via Facebook, TikTok, and that, I'm seeing people harvesting potatoes and everything. And I'm like, <laughs> we don't do that until July. <laughs> so I sit and think, okay, we may, we may be a little late with some of this, this information, but yet you can apply, You can it, it's here for as a reference for somebody, but yet you can still apply it because then it's like, I'm going to run it into, I'm going to run my spring and my summer garden together. Because I was thinking, I was thinking spring, and then I thought, oh, I need to add in summer because you, it's like bam, bam, and it's like yep. there, you got to have it going. So if you haven't listened to our other podcast about planting and starting your seeds, and now it's getting to the point where it's almost too late to start your seeds, and you you'll have to end up going to a nursery and big box store and buying your plants, your tomatoes and your peppers. I've heard of people doing it, but it's getting kind of late here in Minnesota to be doing that. Okay. But you still are able to, you know, if you want to plant cucumbers and oh, yes. those things. That's the... Direct things. seeding stuff. I will. I always direct seed my cucumbers, my peas, my beans. I put those in the ground. I've done those up until like the second week of June okay. here in Minnesota because they're they're fast enough plant that we still get a good Yeah, I was going to say tomatoes take a while. Yeah. Depending on the variety. So, of course, so if you're going to plant, we're going to start, you know, you got to have, if you got your spot picked out, um, you need to prep your beds. You need to put some fertilizer in. And I'm fortunate that you have wonderful bunny poop. (laughs) (laughs) I did that last year. And this year, my beds are wonderful. The, The consistency of the dirt is just so rich and black. Okay. I mean, well, like, yeah, I know you've been hauling bunny poop out of here. This <laughs> cleaning your bunny pants for, for you for a couple of, couple weeks now yeah. or whatever. And I do know um, we do sell um, the oh. organic cow compost out here, and I have people coming now. I've got somebody coming on Sunday, and there's a couple other people that are also coming. Our uh, composted cow manure is looking pretty good. Yeah, it looks it looks really really nice. So. And it is organic because yes. our cows are our cows are organic. So it is organic compost out here. If you are in need, please contact me and I can get you set up with some Hook wonderful, up. wonderful poo-poo for your garden <laughs> garden. <laughs> yeah. So of course, so then you need to get your compost, you know, be it you have a wonderful friend that has it, or you have your own supply, or if you need to go to a store and buy bagged compost to do it, to work it into the first um six inches of soil or so really helps improve your plant. If you're going to do manure, make sure that it's, if you're going to do it this time of year, it should be a cold manure and that's rabbits, llamas, goat, sheep. Sheep. They all fall into that category. As the cold manures. Yeah, they're called, those are ones you can take right from the animal if you want to and dump on your garden. If things that are hot manure is, comes from your cows, I think horse is. Chicken. Chicken yeah. is very yeah. hot. Yeah. So yeah, you, that you would you would need to apply and leave. I'm not for sure the length of time. At least I want to say at least three to four weeks, six weeks. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, if I was doing chicken, <laughs> I would probably wait a year because <laughs> oh. it is so oh, okay. high in nitrogen. It burns, you know, unless you want to put it down in your rows where you're walking. Yeah. That'd be a great place to put it because it's going to kill whatever it is. But you have to be really <laughs> careful with those those that hot manure. 
Um, because it will—that's well, good to know. It will kill. <laughs> it will kill us. That's called natural weed killer. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but you know, most most people, it's you know, you're cleaning out your chicken coop yep. or whatever, and you can you can use it or whatever. But I would not put it near a plant that you want, want to save. Yeah, um, and make sure it produces. But I know I used chicken manure in my rows where I was walking in my in my oh. paths between to help um, keep down the weed. That's a good idea. Stuff, so. Very good idea. Huh. So back to, so you need to know what are you going to plant? Back to only plant what you know you will eat. If you're not going to eat zucchini, don't plant zucchini. <laughs> My husband does not like <laughs> zucchini. <know. laughs> and so that was funny when you asked yeah, me, do you have zucchini yeah, seeds? Like, I'm like, <laughs> no. I'm like, oh, yes, I was shopping and I was like, I need some seeds. I'm like, oh, no, I I bet Jamie's got zucchini seeds because really you only have to plant like one, one or two. <laughs> um, and I was plant like, two and pull one. One. she's got some. And I was like, and then I went to the next door and I was like, oh, that was stupid because she won't. She doesn't have zucchini. Her husband won't eat it. So. <laughs> yep. I, I oh, just kind of chuckled. Anyway, yeah, I was like, I was laughing at myself. I'm like, I know better than that. Yeah. So we're in the spring and you'll have cool season crops. And we have warm season crops. Uh, you can plant as soon as you can turn the soil. Um, and let me see if I can find my list of cool season crops. My cool season crops are your kohlrabi, your kale, your collards, your peas, onions, radish, spinach, lettuce, and turnips are all cool season crops that you can plant as soon as you can turn the soil. And so that could have been April this year. I'm trying to think, when did the snow finally melt? Um, well, we still had snow on the ground at Easter. And I know a lot of people in Minnesota talk about planting their potatoes, potatoes. on Good Friday. Yeah, it didn't happen. And that did not happen. It happened the week after. Yeah. Um, which for those I, who are, you know, go by that calendar, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, because um, once the snow started melting, it melted quickly yes, this year. Yes. Because I was like going, I was not like really getting excited thinking, well, it's going to be a late spring anyway. Yeah, we didn't have a very deep frost line. I think that made yeah, a difference because yeah. we had snow early yep. this past season and that insulated the ground is what I'm being told by the garden experts and saying that that's why our ground warmed up faster and that's why the snow disappeared. We had a lot of snow, yeah, but it disappeared quite quickly once we once went we, over the hump of freezing things. Because so yeah. some, sometimes we have snow yet in May. So the crops that I just listed, those are ones that you can direct seed into the ground. You don't need to start them in the early. Whereas like cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, you need to start inside four to six weeks before your last frost date because you want to give them a little height before you put them out. And to do that in a greenhouse, in a house, you know, with lights, you know, like we talked about in our second episode on gardening, all the details are in there. But you still need to be concerned with frost and um, snow. You know, if you're going to plant that early, um, the odds are in Minnesota that you will get um, some snow or frost. You will get frost, but snow. And so if it's, they can tolerate some cold, but if it's going to dip below 32, you need to be covering them with you know, either a frost cover, plastic sheet or something because they can still be killed if it dips. And if it's going to get in the 20s, you're really pushing your luck down. You may be starting over. <laughs> So a lot of times I don't plant a lot until May because I'm really lazy about going out there and taking the put covering them up. Okay, I will do that a few nights, but if I have to do it continuously, it's not happening in my world. I'm a lazy gardener sometimes. Yeah, I was gonna say my parents usually had the garden in by Memorial Day was kind of where they were at usually with gardening. Yeah, and so so those groups of vegetables perform better in cool seasons. And then once it starts warming up, you like your radishes and your lettuces, they will, they don't like the heat as much. And so they will bolt and go to seed quickly. Whereas, you know, if you can keep them cool, which is my experiment for the summer, you may be, I may be able to keep them a little longer, but I will have to end up replanting them. And all those you can replant or restart and do a fall garden in July or so, July, early August. Some of those, but like if you're going to do cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, you need to start the seeds in June or July, depending on your zone where you're at, so that they're got two to three weeks growth on them before you're going to put them in the ground. You really don't want to direct seed those. Okay. I was just going to ask you that. Have you ever 
ever done where you harvest the the cabbage and you leave it in the ground and it sprouts another cabbage? No, I have not. I've done that. Your second cabbage isn't nearly as nice. (laughs) Well, it's like broccoli because you cut the main head of broccoli Mm -hmm. and it sends out little shoots and, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you get that. Those little, just single flower. Yeah. Heads of yeah, you can do you can do it with cabbages. This doesn't it isn't as nice, but I I just run across that by accident because I didn't pull the plant. Oh. So yeah, but it, don't we love those wonderful <laughs> experiments? That it we will don't do. kind of come back. Um, yeah, but yeah, get, I've done that with broccoli. And if you have no other use for the space, mm-hmm. so that yeah, that's a awesome way to do it. I'd never even heard of that. Another thing you know you need to be concerned about is water. All these plants love and get better, better grow better with consistent watering which i struggle with that is one of the, my other things this year is i'm putting in a drip irrigation for my raised beds and my, even my flower beds so i'm hoping that i get a better consistency like with my onions my onions i've never onions are a water hog uh, nutrient hog of the soil and so being in raised bed the water drains quicker and so you need to water more often and so i'm going to try to put irrigation in this year just back there to see if i can get bigger bigger onion bulbs because mine don't they get you know like a good medium size but i don't get the big you know like the sweet onions never get big big okay which i would love and then to be able to freeze dry oh sure so that would be awesome Mm -hmm. i would think um and then another you need um mulch you know let alone working um you don't have to mulch it helps you know you're working in the manure and compost in for um nutrients and stuff but you can mulch especially like around tomatoes or things that are prone to blight and disease in our area and I'm, i think it's everywhere is that if you put um mulch be it um i don't use grass very often but like straw or if you have a well composted compost you can put like a two inch layer of compost on top of your of the dirt and that'll help hold in more moisture but yet it'll help some with diseases and, st- oh, okay. and, and moisture retention in your um, boxes too. Be it, be it in your in-ground, a raised bed, or flower beds, even pots, containers to put more nutrients on top of them. Oh, and the other maintenance that we all love is you need to pull the weeds. Yeah, you got to stay on top because the weeds are competing <laughs> for the water. I'm fortunate it's small enough that it's pretty easy to keep up on my, and especially the raised beds, to keep up on my weeds after I've been in the same spot for so long, I don't get very many weeds. But I can know my first year or so, it was like constant weeding. Or one time I got compost that hadn't been really composted very long and it came with a bunch of weed seeds. Ah. You never, you never know. know. And, and, if you're, and if you're diligent, um, if it's my yard is small enough that if you consistently go out and look every day, every other day and pull a little weed here and there it doesn't get away from you whereas right now my street flower bed the grass is having a party out there (laughs) so we've got our spring and you've got everything in and it's growing and then you come and you're going to harvest it want to do succession planting i noticed in my green stock the first thing that's going to be ready to be pulled out of there are the radishes and so i will have three pockets that are empty same thing in ground and square garden boxes or whatever you're going to have things being growing that you're going to harvest them and now you have that spot that's empty you need to think about what can i put back in there to take up and use that space mm-hmm. and so that i can get more from the same amount of land and when you do that you want to make sure that you work in some more compost in that spot that just you know pulled something out especially if it's a heavy feeder like onions that you want to work some more compost in there and then you want to plant so like my radishes i am planning to work um, plant radishes back in there because they're like 22 days. As I say, radishes are pretty quick. Yeah. Whereas everything else, I think the next one is 35 days. I don't remember which one was 35 days. Maybe the lettuce was 35 days. I say lettuce is usually pretty and so quick. I, so I was just going to, and if, if I'm still harvesting radishes when some of the lettuce is done, then I may rotate them. But otherwise, I'm just going to, I'm going to put some bunny poop in there and <laughs> replant. And then that, and you need to think about that in your whole garden, uh, green stock, uh, container, or in ground, that what can I do? Can I keep, what can I keep planting as I'm pulling stuff out so that I get more produce out of my garden and make it worth more of your time? Like my potatoes, they will be done end of July, not end of July, 
into June, middle of July, my potato boxes will sit empty until next year. Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to figure mm-hmm. out something to put in there for my fall, whether it be it more radishes or lettuce, spinach. So can, so putting potatoes back in there wouldn't work? Potatoes won't I don't work. think I'd have enough. Um, there's not enough time? I don't think there's be enough time and enough heat. Oh, okay. Because the potatoes, you can plant potatoes in the cool weather, but they kind of always finish. I, I don't know if, I'm not for sure about potatoes. Because this is only my second year of growing potatoes. That's right, you told me that. When I, so I know you can plant them, like you said, Good Friday, which is cold, but they finish in July. So I don't know if you, if you planted them right away again, if you'd get to have enough time. Okay. And then two, you got to think about diseases too. Um, if you end up with, you know, if I end up with a blight on my potatoes, I would not want to plant potatoes right. back in there. Right. Because that's the, the, the other th- consideration you have to have, you have crop rotation. Because like with my tomatoes, I struggle with tomato blight. Um, I think I came in on, you know, I bought p- tomatoes at a big box store one year and that was the year that I got the tomato blight. And so you never get rid of it out of your bed. And mm-hmm. so your best thing is just to rotate it. And so I do rotate in my raised beds every three years they're back in the same spot. And so it helps. It does not annihilate it. And if it's a really wet year, I really, I really, you know, struggle with that. And so ro- crop rotation is good for nutrients because different plants use different nutrients mm-hmm. in different quantities. So that helps. And but that helps with disease, um, bugs. You know, that's another thing you've got to figure out. I don't struggle a whole lot with insect problems. I do. And if I do, I usually don't grow the crop. I don't grow cabbage very often because of the cabbage moth. I usually just buy what I need or I buy that from the farmer's market, you know, because they take up a lot of space, especially when you're working with four foot or uh, four, mm-hmm. four foot boxes or, or, you know, so back to the potatoes, putting potatoes back in. Oh, that was it. You know, putting the same plant back in there. You can do that as long as you refresh the soil and you don't have any pest or um, fungus issues in that pot, you know, because mm-hmm. I am p- planting my potatoes in the same pots that I did last year, but I had no issues last year. Okay. We'll see this year. <laughs> I think we're going to take a quick break here to hear from our friends from picosupply.com. Family-owned PicoSupply.com brings small-town customer service to their online farm store. PicoSupply.com specializes in automatic waterers from top brands such as Mirico, Jug, Franklin, Trojan, and Ritchie, as well as other products for your operation. Find your farm supplies and automatic waterers at PicoSupply.com. That's P-E-T-E-C-O Supply.com. PicoSupply. And we're back. Okay, so now you've touched on pests a little bit. So do you do anything natural in your garden that helps deter Um, I will bugs. struggle with slugs on one, only one of my garden boxes. In the, it's more in the shade because of my neighbor's tree. But if it's a wet year, I, one year the slugs like stripped all the leaves off the kohlrabi and the beans I use uh, diatomaceous earth in the bed and then I will put like a slug bait around the outside because you'll see them crawling up the outside of the boxes. And so I will use slug bait something. I don't remember the name of it exactly, but I'll use that around my hostas too because slugs will clean out hosta beds like you can't believe. Oh yeah, they'll just leave the the stem. Hungry little buggers, aren't they? Yeah, (laughs) so if it's a wet year, that, and, and then... The hostages that I have right by my, fa- my outside faucet struggles a lot. Oh, I bet. And so it's moist there probably yeah, most so of the time. So that area, I put it down almost monthly. Now, I don't know if that's organic, and that's why I don't put it in my box, my garden boxes. Okay. But I, I figured around my flowers. I'm not yeah, you're, eating. You're not, not eating. eating. Although hostas, you know, are edible. Oh. I learned that on some edible weed group or something oh. or another but yeah they i'm pretty sure they said hostas were edible that wouldn't that surprise me that surprised me but like um when i planted a garden no i haven't gardened for a while but i i used marigolds heavily yeah um, I... on the outskirts of my my whole garden was oh, okay there was there was um marigolds all the way around it 
um, not only to deter it deters bugs, but it also gives the chicken something to do instead of eating my food. <laughs> yes. Instead of eating my vegetables, they can stand there and peck at the at yes. the uh, um, marigolds, and it keeps them busy and away from the the good stuff that I want to keep. So are the marigolds mm-hmm. like a, a bug host too? That I don't know. I honestly don't know. It works. Yeah. I can tell you that. Because I know like if you struggle with aphids, which I have not fortunately struggled with, there are what they call host plants like calendulum. They make salves and stuff with the bulb, the bulb blooms um, that you can put that out as a host plant. Whereas you put that next to the food that you want to keep mm-hmm. and the aphids will go to that plant and eat it and leave your vegetables that you want to keep. They won't eat yep. it. Um, same thing with, you know, like if you have struggle with uh, squash bugs, there's some squashes that are, they would prefer over. So if you have quite a few variety, I just saw a TikTok video or YouTube video about, and I don't remember which variety is it that they really love. And so if you plant that away from the ones you want to keep, Oh, okay. Then they, they would go will eat harvest that. over there. They would go eat that one mm-hmm. and leave the ones you now really see, want alone. I leave um, some lamb's quarter in my in my garden. I have oh. done that before because the bugs like lamb's quarter. And if you leave some of it in there, sometimes they'll eat that. Eat that and leave your your vegetables alone. But you got to control that too. You don't want yeah, too much lamb's quarter so growing. Seed. Yeah, and you know lamb's quarter is edible. You know that's a nice addition to your salad oh okay like the leaves yep the leaves you can eat the leaves they're very edible you just can't eat can't do a lamb's quarter salad you wouldn't want to eat that as your only green it will send you to the bathroom oh it's a a cleanser (laughs) (laughs) i didn't experience that but somebody else did (laughs) good to know know (laughs) yes but um lamb's quarters it's actually quite tasty I don't um, even know if I know what lamb quarter looks well, like. Well, I'll show you. I've got plenty of it growing <laughs> out here. <laughs> when we go to the barn today. So, and then another concern a lot of people have is animal pressure. I The only thing I struggle with is rabbits. And those I... Those rabbits. Those little <laughs> rabbits. rascally rabbits. <laughs> yeah. So, the, the, the only, since I do four by four boxes, and they don't mess with my flowers, they just do my vegetable garden. <laughs> The things I really want to keep. If they ate a daisy or two, it's like, oh, well. But so I do it the old-fashioned way. I just take chicken wire and around the ones that have the beans and the lettuce. You know, there's some things they won't eat. And then there's some that, you know, like one year they cleaned out my peppers. And we're talking even jalapeno peppers. They wow. ate them down wow. to the nubs. So I just put chicken wire around them. You know, I go out and get the, excuse me, the fiberglass poles from Menards. Stick them in the four corners and just twisty tie the the chicken wire around cut i have a cut to the length of my beds now if it's deer <laughs> i i'm i have no experience i know my parents did and they finally broke down and put up a six-foot fence uh, i was gonna say yeah i i haven't had deer pressure i just customers here today buying milk and she was saying that the deer came in and cleaned out her radishes she had some lettuce carrots something else and yep Deer came in and buzzed it all for her. But I've never had a problem with deer out here. One year we had raccoons. We had tried to grow sweet corn, and the raccoons helped themselves oh, yes. to the sweet corn. Yep. And they, um, I don't know if there's anything, yeah, there's not a fence high enough to. Uh, probably not. Raccoons are, oh, yeah. they are stinkers. And my, my dad would like <laughs> at them because it would be one thing if they would pick the whole ear and take it and eat the whole thing. No, they take a bite or so out of it and leave it so that it rots. <laughs> I just irritated my dad. Yes. Uh, but um, we don't, I don't see a lot of raccoons out here. And I, you know, and deer, I know we have deer out here, but they just don't come up here. And I don't know if it's because we have dogs. Yeah. But, so no, or, but see, you don't have, your daughter's dogs aren't here. Right. Because you always had the one that was outside all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but I, he's only been around for like three years. So oh. he's not very old. So I, I honestly don't know if we just have enough activity up here that the deer don't wander Between through. Between the cattle and the you know, goats. And then, you know, for the longest time, my, my garden was in a greenhouse. Yeah. I had a hoop building out here, you know, that was 30 by 70 and put sides down and close it up at night and yeah. the deer can't get in. And deters them. Yeah. yeah. And stuff. So I really haven't had a, a, a lot of garden outside, so to speak. Yeah. So I'm not really sure. Um, 
if that would change or not. But it's it's pretty rare for me to see deer out here. You know, maybe if I'm out in a pasture somewhere, possibly. And I know we have deer traffic because we can see the fences have been taken down or or yeah. whatever, you know, type thing. But I just don't see deer out here. Yeah, because you have a nice, you know, pastures and trees and stuff. Mm-hmm. Plenty of places for them to hide. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, sleep and whatever. Right, right. So, yeah, I don't know, but I, I've never had deer pressure out here. I've never had to worry about that. But yeah. I do know some people have them in their front yard <laughs> quite often. And so yeah. I would assume that they have fences to, they fence the deer out of their gardens. I mean, yep. I have to fence the chickens out of my garden. Yep, chickens. Maybe, that yeah. was the other reason for the fence at my mom and dad's is to keep their chickens. Yep, they were raising the chi- chickens yep. there for a few years. And it kept the chickens up because the chicken would come in and annihilate the whole garden. Oh, yeah. They they know where the goodies are. So so that's her spring. And then, you know, of course, now we're coming up. Um, once you know proof positive that you have no chance of frost, you can go into your warm weather crops. And now we're talking tomatoes and Tomatoes peppers. and peppers, zucchinis, um, beets. Beets are listed. I've seen it listed in cool season mm-hmm. and warm season. Oh, I always thought they were cool season. Yeah, that's me too. And then, but this one one website I was on listed it as a warm season. I suppose you can plant them in the warm season and they'd still grow. Probably. Yeah. And, st- and still taste good. Those are the things that you plant once it's warm. And for me, that's normally Memorial Weekend. Um, I am going to push it this year. Uh, so far the, the in the 10-day forecast, uh, next Sunday, it's supposed to get down to like a 42, 44 and so I will look at the forecast if there is nothing, because that's right now that would be the Wednesday before Memorial Weekend. Okay. And so if there is nothing for, you know, in the next, in the 10 day forecast below 45, 50, I will plant my tomatoes and peppers out. And All it's right. like, then the season's on in, in my world. It's like when I can put my tomatoes and peppers in. We're gardening. We're gardening. <laughs> and so another consideration too um, is companion planting. I do some, I don't do a lot because I don't, I only plant what we'll eat, so I don't do the I don't do the zucchini. I don't do eggplant, eggplant. But I know like tomatoes and carrots go well together. Onions, um, marjoram, chives. I want to say chives go with tomatoes. And there's plenty of charts out there on the internet that you know. I mean, if you just search companion planting, I have two or three charts because like one chart will leave a vegetable off, but it's over on this chart. <laughs> Oh, okay. oh, so I have like the th- I have like three charts that I look at. It's like okay, and they and they all usually tell you like you know tomatoes do well with this, but if you're doing garlic, do not plant this with garlic. So I use that, and so I I didn't do that with my green stock. So I'm like have my fingers oh, crossed. Okay. But in the in the pamphlet we got with it, they kind of had a spring garden, a summer garden, and a fall garden. So that's kind of what I'm going off. And I'm figuring figuring. They may have done that for me. Yeah, let's hope so. Like, yeah, we'll see. But that's another consideration to look at. You know, you don't want to grow something next to something that it would inhibit each other. Well, you have to be careful, too, so you don't get cross-pollination. I mean, you can get some really goofy-looking different squashes. Oh. Your zucchini might... Oh, infect your... Yeah, cross over to to your your summer squash. Summer squash or, you know, or to your... um, or to your butternut squash. Um, I've seen people <laughs> post pictures and they've got this weird looking thing and it's like, well, it's probably cross-pollination. Probably. You probably just had your plants just too close together. You made your own hybrid. Yep, you made a hybrid and I have no idea what it's going to taste like. <laughs> but, so when do you plant, so say like your winter squash, your acorn and um, butter, butternut, butternut squash. butter squat, butter, there's buttercup too. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's Hubbard. I mean, there's a lots yeah, and lots and lots, lots and lots of, of varieties. Pumpkins, all that is in that. Now, I do not personally plant all of I them. I know you don't. Because there's a wonderful gentleman in our little town <laughs> that grows this half acre <laughs> and he gives them away. He uh-huh. brings big garbage bags, not garbage bags, shopping bags full of them in the fall. So mm-hmm. I don't mean, but I do know. Because um, I direct sowed my seeds yep, for those. I, I think those are warm seasons, aren't they? I I assume I probably I planted put, them at the same time I planted everything else, which would be right around Memorial Day. Yep. Because I want to put them right in like tenderness with like a cucumber. Because I look at cucumbers as a tender plant. If it got around 35, you may lose it. Yep. Um, unless you covered it really well. And there's been those years that I jumped the gun and I plant all kinds of things out, especially flowers where they're not all in one spot and you mm-hmm. can cover them easily. And so then you're running around with five-gallon buckets covering them. <laughs> trying, to, trying to save everybody. And it's like that for three days. 
So yeah, I would put all I would put all the squashes like a cucumber. And then they usually you know, zucchini, maybe not so much, but those squashes take a they have oh. a long growing period too. So you need to make yes. sure that you get them in early enough so that yeah you have them. You can harvest something in those, the fall. Those would be you know you could start those from seed. I have seen them. You can buy mm-hmm. cucumbers and mm-hmm. stuff at um at stores mm-hmm. at nurseries yes. and stuff. Squash plants, you bet. Y- yep. Um. I, I personally, if I was going to start them, I would start them in a, a pot that you could direct so that you would not have to lift them out because they do not like, I, at least I know cucumbers do not like their roots disturbed. And yep, so we talked about this before. Or, yeah. So yep. I would want so. to, I make newspaper pots. I have a, a, a big wooden, no, it's not big. It's probably about two inch diameter wooden. Um, it's called a paper pot maker, mm-hmm. but it's got a, uh, a base and then it's got uh, a two inch diameter thing with a little rounded handle that you wrap newspaper scraps around and then you fold it in and then you press it into the wooden base and it kind of locks it in and then I use that I use that to pot up like I'm tonight I'm going to pot up because I have another day but my plants are getting big enough that you need to come out of their little trays and so those are big enough that I will drop them right in the dirt and not have to take them out of the pot again that's Ooh, that saves you a step in I mean, yeah. it's reusable, renewable, yeah, yeah. whatever, recyclable. <laughs> I type save all my- that's a, that's a great idea. I mean, I know some people plant in um, egg cartons yep. in your, in not your styrofoam ones, but your, your paper ones. Your paper ones, and you can just drop those in the yeah, ground. Yeah, and those those you have to you would either have to pot up, put them in a bigger pot mm-hmm. after a few weeks, or you would have to do it close enough to planting them out because right. there's so little yes, soil yes, in there. Yes, there's that. There's not a lot. Because you got to look how much dirt are you putting in your container. Yeah, you could recycle anything. I've seen, um, I've done it with newspaper, not, uh, toilet paper rolls. Mm-hmm. Yep, I've seen lots of people Where do you, that. you save it. And then I, I don't know if I cut it in half. I don't think I, I cut it down because it was really tall. And then you just cut slits in the bottom of it and then you just fold them in. Mm-hmm. That's pretty easy. Um, trying to think what else have I seen used <clears throat> as reusable containers. I've used, um, Yogurt containers. I was going to say, a lot of people use those. Solo cups. Yep. Granted, you can't drop those in the ground. No, but... But Um, but you can use them as a a starter. You can use them year and year over. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So if you're looking at trying to be reusable, Mm -hmm. you know, not just biodegradable Mm -hmm. and stuff, those are other areas that you can... um, Let's go back to watering for just a moment. How do I know that I'm not overwatering my garden or that my garden needs water? How do I figure that out? Okay. Um, general rule is that <laughs> I, first of all, I'm hoping my plants aren't dead yet. <laughs> yeah, hoping. Yeah, because you can water too much or you can water too little. Yep. So if the leaves are turning yellowish, you may be watering. You may be being too good, diligent of a uh, plant parent and taking too good a care of them. Or if you've had lots of rain, which you can't control, you need to let them. And especially if you're in ground, um, and if you're in heavy clay soil that doesn't drain really well. You need to back off. But then like with my raised beds, my rule of thumb is I take my finger, my index finger, um, I will water, you know, thinking, okay, is that enough? And then I will take my finger, stick it down. And if I can go to like my first knuckle or my second knuckle on my finger, then I know it's watered enough. So you want it moist up to that? Yeah. Up at to least. your second? Because, um, okay. Because if you just like turn on the hose, stand there for a few seconds and move on, it's not, you want to, you want to water deep because the roots of your plants will seek out the water. So if you're only watering lightly on top of those soil, all the plants um, roots are going to stay towards the top of the soil and you will have a weak plant. So if you have a windstorm that come through, you will blow them over right away. And so you need to, you need to water deep so that those roots will sink down and follow the water down to in your garden boxes or your bar- garden or, or beds. Your, your garden. Oh, that makes that makes total sense. Oh, and then yep. I, when, now that I say when, um, another consideration, another thing to ponder is, do you live in a place where, or is your garden in a place where it's going to be a wind tunnel? <laughs> I used to have a wind tunnel until the neighbor planted a hedge of um, arborvitaes something over there. And now it provides, and he's talking about trimming them up. And I'm like, oh, but it's really nice. <laughs> it's it, in my not, garden. I have not lost a pepper plant since. <laughs> but there are things, you know, like all my pepper plants get a, what they would call a tomato ring around. I, I don't use the tomato rings for my tomatoes. I use them for my peppers. 
because the peppers don't get hit. They're, they're That's light. you're talking those tomato cages. Yeah, those, yep. you know, okay. the circular ones, the yep. cone looks like a cone. Um, and my tomatoes, if you're growing indeterminate tomatoes that are going to get big and tall, um, you need, I would trellis them. I personally trellis mine because of the disease issue. But if you have enough land and you have enough, you know, mulch, hay or something that you can put down to protect the fruit from the ground, I would just let them sprawl if you don't have disease issues. Most people I see nowadays are trellising. And so I use hog panels that my husband cut custom for my square foot garden boxes. Mm -hmm. But I did use them when I had in ground and, you know, my big 25 by 40 garden. I had hug. I had a whole row of hog panels, and that was my tomatoes. Yep, that's what I did with mine. Too. And I, you'd come along every week or so, every few days, and you just kind of weave it up through. Mm-hmm. It was a nightmare in the fall getting it out of there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's very true. Kept the fruit off the ground, so I didn't lose so much to rotting. Or you didn't have to dig in the plant like you do a cucumber. You have to. You can miss a cucumber plant so easy, but you know if you or can, zucchini. Yeah, well, I've only. Yeah, grown. I know you don't grow zucchini, but I'll tell you, you can miss a zucchini. And real. if you miss it, yeah. I do know this. Yeah. If you miss it, you have a log. <laughs> yep, no kidding. You it's have, like huge. Yep, you have a, a boat. <laughs> yeah. So those are things you know. You're gonna. I never even thought about the trellising. You need to trellis some. Um, I trellis my cucumbers. Because of, you know, I'm small space, so I, I try to go vertical. My yep, peas, I go vertical. I was going to say, vertical gardening actually adds a lot of space for you yep. growing. Yep. growing um, My things. beans, I grow pole beans because pole beans, they, they're, I would say they're kind of like an inter- indeterminate mm-hmm. tomato. Is they, once they're producing, they will produce until frost. Whereas bush peppers, P- bush, bush beans, beans. <laughs> <laughs> got all these vegetables in my brain. That I would say they they only produce so much. They're a determinate plant, I think, whereas they produce a certain quantity and then they're done. Yeah, I know my mom always bought planted the bush beans, but I always planted pole beans out here. Yeah. And once they started, I had green beans. You get for, tired of green beans. Uh, yeah, I was like, I don't even know what to do with the green beans anymore. I'm like, I usually get to the point and I'm like going, okay, who wants green beans? <laughs> yeah, this is like, there's too many green beans. Yeah. So, but yeah, and they do really well trellising. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Trying to think else. Um, those are the only things I trellis. Okay. So you can do, you can also do um, melons. Melons. Yep. Um, the garden in Grove City, they have a community garden there and they do melons on, on a trellis. Do they And yes, support? they support them. Yep. yep. They use, um, gosh, they use used bras. I've seen bras. Bras. Um, pantyhose. Pantyhose, socks, anything like that. But they did and they grew some really nice watermelon over in that in that uh in that community garden i just one of my customers runs that garden oh okay so i know a lot about their garden um but yeah it you so you can do that you can bring everything up and it like you said it just gives you so much more space yep. because you don't have a vine spreading across the ground and taking yep. up all that space i know you've talked about before if yours decides to vine outside of the uh the garden box. box that gets mowed off <laughs> yeah my husband gives it a haircut <laughs> or you know when i still had in ground and our kids were younger I grew pumpkins because one pumpkin plant would make enough for all four kids to get enough to carve. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, it's like, oh, you got four kids and they want a couple pumpkins. You know, that gets to be quite spendy yep. when you're a young family and don't have a lot of, you know, you're yep. one income family. Right. And so, so that then he <laughs> let them go out. Mm-hmm. But I only did that for probably five years or so. And then it was like, OK, I'm done with pumpkins. Yeah. Yeah, they do. They take a lot of space. But I. You probably can trellis those two as long as you're not growing big, big ones, pumpkins. Yeah. yeah, that wouldn't work no, out for no. big pumpkins. But yeah, pumpkins take a lot of space. Because I've done I've done cantaloupe and I've trellised those. Mm-hmm. But cantaloupe, for me, I don't know. I just, I always missed it. You know, it's like, oh, they're not quite ripe. They're not quite ripe. And then you go out the next day and it's, oh, yeah, it was ripe. Mm-hmm. It's got all black bugs in it. Yeah, and I was going to say, um, watermelon, you know, takes a long time. So yep. watermelon is a tricky one too. Yeah. Um, that you got it at I, least in our in our, in our environment. Yeah. Um, where we don't have a huge growing season, yeah. so that was, that's something you almost have to start. I don't know. Yeah. I've planted it in the ground, and then I end up with a bunch of watermelon that I can't harvest because it's, it's too cold by the time they would be yeah. ready, and they don't. It, they need heat. Yeah. You know, and um, we're, we just gets too cool too yeah. soon for that. So I that would be one you. I would think you would want to start from seed seed in the house, yeah, and so that you have that extra growing time, yeah. If you're in 
a climate like ours where we have a shorter growing season. Yeah. Um, and we don't, we haven't really talked about sweet corn and I know you don't oh, grow sweet corn because sweet corn takes up a lot of space. Yeah, I don't. And you need, you can't plant a row of sweet corn. You need multiple rows so that they will pollinate each other and produce your mm -hmm. ears. So that I know. Um, and as far as I know, one corn stalk produces and, and then it's done. Yeah, it's done. And so, I mean, I know when we, when I was a kid and we did sweet corn and my parents grew a lot of sweet corn. Yeah. Um, Dad, every two weeks was planting sweet corn and we harvest, I mean, we did the succession planting, planting that yep. you talk about, you know, and I don't even know what the time period was. But boy, when the sweet corn was ready, my mom did not can. So we ate sweet, sweet corn. corn. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> we It was a meal. It, we had a meal, you yeah. know, just about every day we had sweet corn. No, and, we planted ours all at once. Okay. And then it was like you, we ate it, ate it, ate it. Mm -hmm. And then, but we canned or yep. we froze. Yep. We froze it. And yep. so Mom didn't it, freeze either. So we were constantly, you know, cut, harvest picking and harvesting and cutting mm -hmm. and freezing it as a kid. I remember that much because of our huge garden that we had, a quarter of it was potatoes, a quarter of it was corn, and the rest was the tomatoes, peppers, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so it, yeah, was, well, I bet. Oh. it was a couple acres, I think, as a kid. You know, well, we were a family of eight, so mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, we were a family of five, but I know Dad had, you know, like three rows of sweet corn and three rows of sweet corn, and then we harvested that sweet corn, and I don't know what went in there after that. I honestly don't remember. Yeah, or well, because um, a lot of times sweet corn is done in August, Mm. You could, if you're diligent, you could turn around and get like well, a lettuce or a radish in there. Yes, I think it starts showing up in the farmer's market around in, in July sometime. Yeah, depending on yep. where. Um, um, I know nowadays with our practicing, they, they can, um, there's row covers that will deteriorate once they it gets warm enough and they get moist enough. They will just kind of like, I don't know if they're made of cornstarch or something like that where they dissolve. Oh, I've I've been watching a commercial corn corn producer, and I'm like, oh, that's very interesting. And okay, well, I just know our fair is at the beginning of August, August. and sweet oh, corn yeah. is a big thing yes. at the fairgrounds. And so I and I know I've had sweet corn before that. So sweet corn um, probably just takes up too much space. Yeah, and it's you know it's. it's it's so it's so readily available here in Minnesota. Yes, I don't I don't give the space to corn. Right. I would rather buy corn and most yeah. of those producers like that you can buy a bushel of corn, you know, ears or whatever you can you can buy a gunny sack full and do your own canning yeah. or whatever. Um, and I do. Um, I mean, cuz Little Kirkoven has a farmers market and I I know um one of the families there and he was selling me a full shopping bag, you know, like I use reusable shopping bags. So they're, I don't know, full for $5. Well, that's, that's a good deal. So yeah, I, I make, I can't, I don't have enough space. It's much easier to pay somebody $5. Right. It's like I say, I will pay you to milk my cow. <laughs> when you tease me about needing a cow, it's like, no, I'll just pay you to take care of my cow. Yeah. I will pay somebody to grow my corn. Yep. Yep. I feel the same way about sweet corn. I'm not, I just, it just takes up too much space and too much time. And it's just easier to go to the expert and buy from them yeah, yeah. and um, save the other stuff right radish or whatever that's a little bit easier for yeah. me to, to yeah. manage to, but yeah. tomatoes and tomatillos and those are much easier so and we should go back to watering because that's oh. where we were <laughs> um and you talked about overwatering. yes but now what happens if i go out and I'm, my plants are wilting out there um can i save them maybe um <laughs> It depending depending on what it is. I mean, um, if it's lettuce, probably not because it's probably just gotten too hot. Yeah, if you go out there, and sometimes that's what um like I know tomatoes. If the tomatoes are curling in, they're look they're the curling leaves. Yeah, the leaves. Okay. the leaves are curling in to conserve water. And so yes, you can water those, and they will come back. Okay, so if I have that happening, how much do I need to water them? Do I need to? Um, give them some water and then give them some more water or do I just drench them? Oh, no, I wouldn't drench them. Okay. But I stand there. I will usually, um, what I've done in the past is I have a, a little sprinkler that I will put in the middle of a four by four box and let it run for 15, 30 minutes, depending on how warm it is. But then after that time, and so then I'll water a box, move it to another box. But then I will go back and stick my finger in it, Okay, you know, do the, dirty, do the dirty diaper check and stick your finger down in there mm -hmm. being brave and see how far down it watered. Okay. And so, and especially if it's July, August, 
that's when you will struggle with water issues. Right. Or if it's a really wet year, I mean, there's not much you can do about it if you're getting too much rain. You know, just kind of kind of roll with it. And, if, you know, and that's how I garden a lot, too. I plant it and I cross my fingers. And if it grows, it grows. Mm-hmm. If not, it's like you pull it out and put something else there. Right. Is there a particular time of day that you should water? And does that make a difference as to how you're doing your watering? If you're using a soaker hose, drip irrigation... You're using a sprinkler, sprinkler, one of those overhead sprinkler things. That's what my parents always used. They had a sprinkler oh. thing that went back and forth. And you, you suppose if you had a big enough spot. Yep. But now, yeah, that wouldn't work for yeah. what you do. Yeah. But um, I have read, you know, that the overhead sprinkler like that, the one that goes whoosh, whoosh, yeah. whoosh across or whatever, that sometimes it's um, not good to water at certain periods of time because your leaves are all wet on yeah. your plants and the sun comes and beats down on them and that's not good for them. Yes, I have read that too. And so a lot of times they tell you to water in the morning, but sometimes that depends on what what's your schedule like. When I was driving the school van and I was leaving at five o'clock in the morning, there's no watering in the morning. And so I would water at night, but I would try to water early enough in the evening that it had a little bit of time to dry off the leaves. Because that's, you know, funguses and stuff can cling to the water. But yeah, I've heard that too. And I try not to water in the afternoon unless you're, you've been gone and you come home and it's like, oh no, you need to water. Yeah. And then I try to water underneath on the bottom. You know, if it's... Water your soil, not water, so much the plant. Yeah, yeah. Because the plant's not utilizing it on its leaf. And so hence why I use a little, I have this little sprinkler that I would put underneath the leaves and then... I would barely turn on the hose and just let it percolate up a little bit. I wouldn't like shoot it up in a water fountain form. Mm-hmm. You know, I just let it. And then if I needed to, once the leaf, because once your tomatoes started getting grow up, you didn't, you didn't want to splash the water up on tomato leaves because that's another disease issue in our area. And I'm okay. sure for other people too. And so you may end up moving it if you're just using a little sprinkler. Because okay, I used soaker hoses. That's what I used. Yep. And I used a timer because I'm terrible at remembering to oh, do yeah. something. I'm a very routine, so it's like I have to, it has to be something I have to do every day or every Monday or something like that. Um, and so it worked really well when we had the hoop building yeah. because, well, it doesn't rain in it there. It doesn't rain in there. <laughs> and so I just had a timer set yes. and it just watered my garden and it was set to go off at thus and such time and shut off at thus and such yep. time. And that worked really, really well. Now, I don't know how, I, I also used it in an open garden because we had an open garden out here oh, okay. initially. And that worked really well. I had that on a timer as well, but I didn't, I don't remember. I think I had to go out and, you know, like turn it on and then yeah. leave it run for an hour. But I never really had a whole lot of trouble with anything because I used the soaker hoses. Besides where my soaker hose went around from one row to the next row, I had always a lovely, like you said, weeds compete for water. I had weeds growing on both sides of the water hose the soaker hose going around there so i always had weeds growing you know where it was exposed where there wasn't plants already growing or whatever so but that was probably the biggest thing um with the soaker hoses but i i loved my soaker hoses yeah i've used soaker hoses now soaker hoses aren't so great in raised beds you know four by four boxes they're not big enough right um and if you're running a a straight line they're great Mm -hmm. um and I've used those in my flower beds, but this year I'm going to go to a drip irrigation where I'm going to run a supply hose for my faucet all the way around my house. And then I'm just going to, per plant, I'm going to run off a, uh, an emitter off the supply line for each plant. But I will, I will still use soaker hoses where like on the edging where I put alyssums all along the edges that I will still use it there. But you know, like, well, I'll have my oregano here. And, you know, a time here, it's not like always on. And this way, if I put the supply line in and then just branch off, then I can, I can plant wherever and just put a line in. Oh, yeah. Because I used that, I used that in the flower bed last year. And that was amazing. And my flowers, that was some of the best flowers I've had. Okay. That's, that's a trial and error process. You may yeah, make you, multiple trips to the hardware store to get your equipment. I was going to say, and you have to do what works for you. Yes. You know, depending on your situation. And your how, expense, because yep. putting the drip irrigation has been a little I spendy. Gonna, I was going to say, that's going to cost a little bit. Yeah. So if you're going to, you know, go on vacation and leave somebody in charge of watering your plants, it's easier for them to do that. Just mm-hmm. to turn it on. Turn it or on. even, or I may even put it on a timer for him. And since like, you know, 
It's done. You don't have to do You just got to come out and water the green stock. Because I, I quit. I used to have lots of garden flower baskets, hanging baskets and stuff. Um, and I did not plant any of those last year because I was going to be gone for two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. And they would have yeah. they would have been there would have been nothing there when I got yep. back. So yeah, you got to do what you can afford and what works for you. I mean, if all you have is a hose and a watering wand, you do what you can. I mean, because it was a, it's a still even if you're putting soaker hoses, it's still an expense to go out and buy yes, soaker hoses, depending yep. on how big big yard. Yep. I mean, um, the oscillating thing that your mom and dad used, I mean, covers a lot of if you got a big garden covers a lot of area right. and yep. if, and you can get a, a sprinkler not cheap but cheaper yep. they're, than they're probably one of the cheapest ways yeah. to water yeah if you if you don't want to go and spray each plant or whatever yeah. type thing it's a one way that's a you know that mm-hmm. used to be my therapy when i had just a small flower bed mm-hmm. when i first moved in this house that would be my therapy to go water just for a water. half hour yep but yeah mom and dad always watered in you know like after supper that yeah. that window in there is usually when they were watering the garden but yeah we had that sprinkler thingy um let's see anything else how about um we know you talk about you know planting you're putting your tomatoes and your pepper plants in and stuff is there a a technique that you use to actually plant your um tomatoes i have seen where you lay the root depending on how tall they are you, you put them down and you cover part of the stem yep. to help because it's terribly windy out here. And that's what I did. Yep. I always laid my tomato plant down. So I planted it kind of yep. horizontally a little bit and then brought the, the top up, the top up yep. because I need that extra, I need the extra strength yep. from there. Yep. Cause it's, we, and you've got to take all, you got to take all the leaves yep. up. You don't want to plant any of the leaves in the ground, but so yeah, you made a trough and yep. laid them down in there and kind of angled your, mm-hmm. your top up. So yes, that's where, and then there's little hairs on a tomato stem and each little hair will be a new rut, mm-hmm. which will add strength. So yes, if it's a wind issue and stuff like that, um, I don't know if there's any other plants that you can do that with. I don't know if you can do it with peppers or not. I think nope. I um but I know I did it with my tomatoes I just did it with because my tomatoes. Yep, um just because we have terrible winds out here now. Most of the time I trellis them or I used to trellis them. Um so that helps, but I always figure a little extra security there doesn't yeah. doesn't hurt. Yeah. Cuz um, I'm thinking um I have um, a tomato plant for you. Tomato plants, how many of you want? But they're determinate. So you only get so much. That's the only seed I could find mm-hmm. locally because I had indeterminate. I didn't have any. I was out of tomato paste tomatoes. And so I had to go look for some. And it's like, I want to plant them now. And I didn't order them on my seed order. And so right. it's like once I bought them and got them home, it's like, oh, these are in. Are, these are determinate. Yeah. So you'll get some tomatoes. Um, let's see. What is it? That I think was the, my last question. Okay, um, from the gardening expert of the two of us. <laughs> like garden expert, no, I've just had more failures than anybody else. I think you just you've been just doing it longer consistently. Yeah, I'm trying. And I have, and I've had I have different experiences because I've actually grown in a, a hoop building. Yes, and that's a totally different experience when you're you're growing you've probably, for the entire season in a hoop building. Yep. And you've probably um, done a larger area-wise than yes, I have. Yes, I had the entire footage of that in garden. That was that was quite a project. It, it would have been. Yes, I was, was kind of jealous when you were seeing when you were doing that. Going, oh, I love one of those, but oh well. Yeah, now we grow calves in it instead. <laughs> <laughs> but let's see, anything else that we can think of? Yeah, we've talked about what? picking weeds. Um, I because I raise I grow in raised bed majority. I don't deal with a lot of weeds, except maybe in my flower beds. And I'm just diligent about you know I don't have a lot, and so I I just go around and pick them all. But I do know like if you're going to do in you know in large area, yes, a lot of people will put down weed barrier, like in their wa- uh, walking path. When I had a larger garden, I used wood chips that I can get free from the city. And I, I am told I don't remember. There is a uh, a website where you can register and go in and see if you can get free wood wood chips in your area. Because oh. a lot of time, tree services will give you all the weed uh, bark chips that you want, but you have to take a full load. So you know how they blow it into a big truck. Mm-hmm. You would have to take that whole load. <laughs> and well, I and free actually, is free. Free is free. Mm-hmm. And if you have if you're growing in quantity space wise. Mm-hmm. Put that in your walking path would save you a lot of weed, you know, times. Um, 
Now, I do know that there are weed fabrics that you can buy now that have holes burnt in, you know, 6, 12 inch increment if you want that. Um, my only concern is with if you're putting a weed barrier in your growing area, not just in your walking path, um, can your worms come and go? Because like under, I have weed barrier on the edges of my um, four by four boxes to keep weeds from coming because the grass will come up on the edges of, mm-hmm. of the, my boxes. And so when I redid them, I put weed barrier just underneath, just on the edge because I didn't want to dig out all the dirt. But then too, I wanted worms to be able to come up through it. I didn't oh, want that's weed. a good point. I didn't want to put weed fabric all under my box because then the worms couldn't come up. And I have lots of worms in my bed right now. Mm-hmm. I was digging in it last night and it's like I have oodles That's, and oodles. That means you have healthy soil. Yeah. Um, I bought two livestock tanks to make raised beds to help with the aging woman here. Mm-hmm. I drilled holes, extra holes. I put 11 holes in each um, tank and people are like, why? It's got a plug. Take the plug out. And I go, but I wanted more areas for worms to come up. In. And actually, once I get my dirt in it and I see a worm, I'm going to go over <laughs> transplant. <laughs> I'm going to transplant my worms into my, my, my new beds, trying to get to populate them okay. and get them in there and stuff. Uh-huh. So that's a fact factor to weed. Weed fabric barrier is great for weed control. But what will it, you know, if you want to get more worms around the whole thing, yeah, I don't know how weed barrier in your planting area will affect okay. the worms. Yeah, I that's a good. That's a good point. But and I know in raised beds too. So that would be an issue with raised bed. If you put fabric all the way under your box, the we, the worms would not get up in your box. You talked about burning with your chicken manure and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's that would I had never thought about that one for weed control. But that would be uh, a good one. Um, I used cardboard. Yep. I and then you put. Did you put yep, grass? I put, hay? I put straw on top of it yep. or old compost. We had when we moved out here. The barn was full oh. of old compost manure. compost manure and stuff, and I just put that in between my yep. um, rows, you know, on top of yep. the cardboard. But even in the even in the hoop building, I used cardboard in between because I always have plenty of cardboard, and it biodegrades. Yep. So you um, make used, sure you take the uh, tape used, off of it. Yeah, I've used newspaper. Put down oh, a yep, I've thicker used newspaper, newspaper yep. and then put straw or um, uh, bark mm-hmm. bark pieces on it. And I've seen where they've taken, you know, if you want to annihilate grass and start a garden is to put um, heavy cardboard down and then put either bark, straw, hay, grass clippings if they're not sprayed on top of it and just leave it sit. And that will kill the grass. And then the next year you could till it or dig it and plant your garden there. That, that would be a low muscle Way to do it. You got to think a year ahead. Yep, a year ahead. But to dig up the sod, to start from ground zero, to dig up sod, or to till sod, that is a lot of work. Because mm-hmm. that's how we started my that's garden. That's how we started out here too. Yeah, it, it was a lot of work to till because then when you're tilling the grass and you are still got all the weeds and stuff in there and grass in there that you've got, you're going to be a lot of weeding going on. Mm-hmm. And so then you have to come back to, so, okay, how can I suppress some of this right. and make it a more manageable issue? Probably covered. I probably covered it all. Probably covered it that I can think of anyway. Or if you have a question, leave a comment and we will answer it for you. We are more than happy to give our expertise if we have any. Well, I think that probably covers it for covers the day. Covers it for the day. And happy gardening. Um, I hope you have maybe learned something or remembered something that you yeah. had forgotten that might work for you. Um, we'd love to hear your comments um, and... Any questions? We'd like to give a special thank you to PicoSupply.com for sponsoring our podcast. So until next time. Put some keeper on it. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Homestead Podcast's latest episode. Your hosts, Carol Radke and Jamie Kappis, are Two Gals Homesteading. To learn more, go to TwoGalsHomesteading.com or the Two Gals Homesteading Facebook page at Facebook.com slash TwoGalsHomesteading. Editing, audio production, and marketing of the Homestead Podcast is the responsibility of Media Trends X. The Homestead Podcast is an audio product of Media Trends X, a limited liability company, based in Minnesota, USA.